Welcome to the CT Startup Podcast, an inside perspective on the CT Startup ecosystem. This is Eric Francis from Fresh Farm Aquaponics. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Here we go. Starting strong. You want to start over or what? Gonna, gonna oh, I, I don't know. I think we should keep this. I yeah, think nah. we should keep it. So who else is on the podcast? We're imperfect. Uh, Michael Kaufman, Movi Interactive. Dave Bernard from Mirtha Kalina. And uh, this is Nick Pontacoloni with My Home Pro Network. All right, so I definitely didn't want to have to say his name. Try it. No, 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 go up. for it. Go for it. <laughs> Pontacoloni. All right, no, Nick Pontacoloni. All right, look at that. So, Nick, how are you doing today? Doing really good. Really great. Nice, nice. Happy to be here. Yeah, so if uh, you just want to start off t- kind of telling everybody about uh, Home Pro Network and uh, kind of uh, we'll start it there. Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, thanks, Eric and Dave and Mike for having me here today. So My Home Pro Network is the first relationship marketing platform in real estate. We work with real estate brokerages and all of their agents to help them create networks of local professionals. Uh, and typically those are home related businesses like mortgage lenders, real estate attorneys, home inspectors, appraisers, and lots of different tradespeople, uh, as well as interior designers, stagers, and movers. So we basically work with large brokerages, uh, for example, the Keller Williams in Greater Hartford, and we help them create, curate, manage, and build a network of local home professionals that their clients can use to basically help manage their home. Nice, nice. So basically, relationship marketing, I mean, that's all, that's like everything about real estate, right? I mean, that's the whole the whole kind of basis of uh, real estate, right? I mean... Yeah, so there's a, a big trend going on in residential real estate where real estate brokers and agents are looking for new ways to add value. Uh, it used to be in the 1980s and, and early 90s that real estate brokerages and the agents had a monopoly on data yep. and information on houses, and they could use that data to add a lot of value and help people find homes that they could afford and understand what homes were available on the market. Today, Anybody that's looking to buy or sell a home can go on Zillow and they can find lots of the same information that used to be proprietary to the real estate brokerages. And so we're working with large brokerages and their agents to help them find new ways to add value in a completely different paradigm. And one of the best things that real estate agents can do based on their experience, their networking skills, and just kind of their position in the marketplace is that they can connect their clients with the people and the local professionals that consumers need in order to buy, sell, own, maintain real estate. And so we've done a fantastic job of building a really simple user interface for real estate brokerages. We help local professionals get online and build really powerful web pages that they can showcase their work. And then we enable those real estate brokers to curate and share a local network with their customers. Um, when it comes to relationship marketing, we're doing a lot of different types of content marketing, social media posts, and other types of ways that real estate agents can actually position themselves and market themselves as this value-added resource in the community. Somebody that's not just going to be able to open a door and show you a house, but somebody that's going to be an actual agent uh, and work with you for the life of the home. Uh, and we're getting a really great response from the market uh, on both sides of that marketplace, from both the real estate brokers that 
really want to showcase their professionalism and their value add, as well as the local professionals that are looking for more innovative ways to get online, interact with, and basically market their services to large groups of local real estate agents uh, so that they can generate more uh, word-of-mouth referrals and, and uh, new business. So do let's say we have two different brokerages. Do they share the same database of professionals, or is it something that you know you provide them the opportunity, or I, I should say platform, and then they actually go out and put together kind of their own database of, of professionals? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So every agent, uh, when we work with a brokerage and we get a... Uh, basically get uh, exclusive marketing rights uh, to a local brokerage and we then help their agents with our you know, get onboarded with our software. Our software is such that the real estate agent can create their own branded network. Uh, think of it like their own personalized Angie's List uh, with a lot of LinkedIn flavor to it. Um, that network consists of their favorite lenders, their favorite lawyers, their favorite architects and builders and contractors, uh, movers and, and designers, etc. And once those networks are built by the agents, we then offer the opportunity for these local professionals to market their services to all of the agents in the brokerage. Uh, and so that's what they're basically investing in us uh, with their marketing dollars so that they're not just on one agent's network. They can get onto hundreds of agents' networks. Uh, and those agents obviously have the opportunity to accept or uh, decline uh, those invitations, but we want to make it so that they know that these businesses are nominated or recommended by other agents in their office. And so there's this level of um, integrity there. There's a level of curation uh, that's a little bit different than just going onto an Angie's list and reading consumer reviews. It sounds like an internal vetting process as well. So you know everything's been, you know, kind of approved. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the quality control, there's one, the first level is that everybody that's in our networks uh, are been recommended by an individual real estate agent mm -hmm. who's worked with them for you know 10, 20 years. And so they come highly recommended. They are good, great businesses. And we don't just go out and you know get any local plumber to join our network. Yeah, because you know. hear of all these horror stories, you know, a new homeowner, they have no idea, you know, who to use. And it's it's basically almost, uh, there, there's so many options, it's almost crippling. Uh, and, and probably the best opportunity is talking to a friend or someone you know and you know, understanding who they've worked with. So this is obviously a, a massive opportunity to simplify that. Yeah, and we think that when you buy a new home or you move into a new community, like you said, you don't know where to go and you don't know who to turn to, but you've just spent the last three months working very closely with a local professional. Mm -hmm. And that local professional has a network, um, but they haven't yet, with a, you know, before we uh, digitize this, they haven't digitized their network and made it available to their clients, made it very easily accessible so that a client can go to the Home Pro Network, <clears throat> uh, let's say Matt Lloyd, uh, who works out of uh, Simsbury area, and they can see the 60 people that he's worked with over the last 20 years. They can filter that network, they can uh, look at their profiles, they can look at their reviews, their testimonials, and find very good, qualified, highly recommended people and it's different than just going to a online portal and looking at a bunch of consumer reviews. Uh, these are people that the real estate agent is kind of putting their brand in front of and saying, listen, I would have these people in my house. And if you say that they came or uh, you got their contact information from me, 
that local professional is more incentivized to make sure they do a really good job, make sure they communicate well, because they want to continue to build not just a great relationship with a new customer, but they want to continue to foster that relationship with the real estate agent who's dealing with, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 customers every single year. So, I'm sorry. So, Nick, what uh, brought you to to this idea? How did you get into this? It's a, a great question. We'd probably have to have an entire podcast uh, <laughs> around that. Um, me and uh, one of my uh, best friends growing up uh, had developed a software. So it was Mike Zazamia. Um, he's our head of sales. And we had developed uh, or invented and developed a web application that allowed consumers to post home improvement jobs online and receive bids from local contractors. Uh, and the idea was kind of taking what Craigslist was doing and remove some of the, the problems, sharing of the personal data, getting them bombarded, and putting profiles and, and reviews and ratings in front of um, that so that you could actually qualify people before you just had them come over and give you an estimate. Um, also, the software made it easy to upload photos and get job details, so you could actually manage a lot of home improvement projects right within the platform. Um, for a variety of reasons, two-way marketplaces are, are very difficult, and, and there's this, you guys hear it a lot, chicken and egg problem. Um, there's a very high cost of customer acquisition to get to critical mass, so you need a lot of marketing dollars in order to make a successful marketplace business. Um, but from that, we started talking to, mm, I guess, higher-level professionals that we thought would have more jobs on a consistent basis, property managers, real estate brokers, and general contractors. Um, when we worked with them, they really liked the idea of the software platform, but they wanted to be able to have a closed network. Uh, so in 2014, we created a networking platform on top of our marketplace, basically, and went out selling SaaS, a SaaS product to uh, property managers, real estate agents, and general contractors. Um, the sales process with that was very tough. The dollar price was very low uh, for an individual a SaaS product. Um, it was successful. We, we made, made some money, uh, but it was just a very, very uphill, a very hard uphill battle. And so we ended up talking to even higher level customers, uh, and those were the owners of real estate brokerages. And they really gravitated toward the networking aspect of the software, not necessarily the job posting and bidding aspect of it. Um, and so we really started to, to do a lot of customer research, talk to some really great brokerage owners locally uh, in Massachusetts and Boston and Springfield and Hartford. Um, and we basically started to white label our software to these brokerages. Uh, and that evolved and continued to evolve. And the brokerages really wanted us to take more control. They wanted us to really manage an entire partner ecosystem for all of their agents. And we then decided to, you know, once we lined up with a brokerage, we would just give the software instead of selling it to the agents, which actually created a much larger network. And it gave us um, what's what I think is really interesting is we've developed this, we've consolidated and formalized this once very messy channel, mm -hmm. which is if you're a landscaper, uh, before my home pro network and you wanted to go and do some marketing activities you may print out some flyers and some business cards and if you're you know if you're smart you would go to the local real estate brokerages and drop off those flyers yep. um, but little do you know and you may guess but those flyers end up in the trash and <laughs> they're just lots of people go to brokerages trying to get them uh, to put their business cards out there and try to get in touch with customers because they know there's a continuing flow of new homeowners coming in through the real estate brokerage and lots of deals. I mean, in the mortgage industry, 80% plus of deals come from real estate agent referrals. 
the real estate agent is saying, yeah, you got to use uh, this lender. He's great. I've been working with him for 10 years. He's really going to take care of you. And then that mortgage lender and the real estate agent can more cohesively work together. Um, so this idea of targeting and networking and marketing to real estate agents has always existed, but it's never been brought online. And now we have this opportunity, really, really fantastic opportunity to, again, formalize and consolidate this one's very messy, fragmented channel, and that's what we're doing today. Nice. So you obviously have had some pivots in, along the way, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> some big pivots. Uh, I mean, we should have been dead three times. Um, <laughs> but Mike Zazamia, Mike Ponacoloni, our, our head of marketing, um, these guys uh, persevere. We just removed quit from our vocabulary, uh, and we've been really, really uh, working and working hard and uh, persevering through uh, definitely some, some misfires. Um, when it came to starting becoming an entrepreneur. That's part of the ride, right? Yes, it is. <laughs> now, the other Mike is your brother, right? That's correct, yep. Does that make it easier, harder? How is that working? <laughs> it's fantastic. I, I, I say to him, I say, we're going to look back at this when we're you know, 50, 60 <laughs> years old and be like, wow, this was the time of our lives. You know, We have a really awesome office space in uh, the Reset Business Factory. They're fantastic. Um, so we've put in some cool startup-type things into that office, uh, you know, no, I hope no investors are listening, but we do have NHL 94 for Sega <laughs> Um But, you know, just things like that that can really build uh, great bonds. And having my best friend, um, Mike, and my brother working side by side, it's this rock, right? We have this team that's not going anywhere. Like, my brother can't quit. He's my brother. You know, <laughs> You're not <gonna> let him <laughs> but, and, and, and Mike's not going anywhere because he's very invested. And we've been doing this for the last three years. That it, it's something that we're now starting to generate really significant revenues. Uh, and every day we're making sales, and every day we're bringing on new customers. And for the uh, first time, we've been renewing customers, and they're doubling their spend. Uh, our renewal huh? right now is in the high nineties, and uh, the, maybe one or two people haven't renewed it because. They're not targeting real estate agents this year. Uh, everybody else is actually renewing, and in many cases, I think it's like 30 40% of the renewals we've done so far have doubled their spend. So what's been your sales strategy? Because I know there's a lot of businesses out there that are constantly uh, you know, looking for that next customer. Is it something where you're cold calling? Or are you finding those relationships and you know, getting the door open? Can you fill us in a little bit on that? Yeah, and, and you know, kudos to Mike Zazamia because he's really built our sales strategy, and, and we're now at a point where we can look at different bottlenecks and start to really build efficiencies in our, in our sales process. Um, so kudos to him. But the way that our process works is we can identify brokerage owners pretty easily. Um, we can find out who owns the big brokerages in the areas that we want to target, and we can call them up. Um, now that we have uh, geez, over 20 bro- large brokerages on our platform, um, we are getting referrals from them and, and really building good relationships with these brokerage owners. Um, all of our marketing sales actually come from leads from real estate agents. So it's not a cold call. It's a real estate agent nominating or adding somebody to their network. Automated emails go out to these home pros. They know they're on this real estate agent's network. And it's a really soft sell. It's like, hey, do you want to join 100, 200 networks in the greater Hartford area. Yeah. Uh, and as we continue to build our database of real estate agents, as we continue to build more engagement uh, with real estate agents, we're going to be the default tool that they use whenever their client asks for a recommendation. And that happens every single day. Yeah. Uh, and so now we just basically opened up this new marketing channel where you can go and buy leads from a home advisor or uh, an Angie's List and get access to consumers 
you may close five, 10% of those leads and they're gonna charge you 50, $100 per lead, even if you don't close them. Uh, with us, it's about, hey, can we get you two or three new relationships with real estate agents that are doing 20, 30 deals a year? If you're a smart, savvy local business, that's an, that's an uh, interesting value proposition. And that's something that you're definitely going to try. Uh, and it's not expensive. We're not trying to gouge you. We want to drive local opportunities. We want to drive business in these in these local economies. And so it's, uh, it's something that we're really passionate about. We're, the sales process doesn't, it's not just cold calling a bunch of contractors and trying to get them to sign up. It's you're getting recommended. You were nominated by this real estate agent. Would you like to join the brokerage and become a partner for all of the agents within this brokerage? And it's it's a pretty high pretty high uh, success rate. So you have it's all pretty, warm leads. All warm leads, yeah. Well, and sure, and you, you also have a track record now. You've been working with these larger brokerages, and it's it's far easier to sell something. Uh, yeah, once when you, you have the those first, relationships, when you have the first couple up, and now <clears throat> we've actually had, which is really cool. Some of our customers want to invest in us. Uh, and want to find ways that they can actually help us succeed where they're making calls uh, and selling for us because they want these people into their program. Really cool. Yeah, we actually had one customer. um, I think he did five sales uh, within a week uh, for very high-value customers. And uh, we were just basically processing it, um, taking the, the credit cards, and now it's on us. That's sold, but it's on us to make sure that we deliver a really good value and, and very good customer service. Um, and it, there are things that we can do for these customers to help them get online, to add and do more value add than just the software that we have. They're going to look to us and they're going to want to do more programs with us. If we haven't, if I come to a local business and say, Hey, you know, you're doing some great stuff with us, but hey, check this out. Your profile page is number two on Google. Uh, and which happens a lot with ours because it's so it's a, such a high network effect. We we trump a lot of um, bigger sites like Facebook and LinkedIn. Look at your number two on Google with our pl- platform. You know, here are some other things that you can do with Google. You should you know look at some Google AdWords or look at some uh, ways that you can enhance your site for SEO. I don't need to make money on that if I'm providing good service for my customers. They're going to want to stick with me. They're going to remember that, and they're going to want to when I have a new product say, oh, yeah, I'd like to check that out. You, you guys really helped me. And that's kind of our process now is, is really making sure that our customers are happy, that they want to renew and they want to, you know, when we launch new products, they want to, they want to test them out. Nice. So you've been, um, so you, there's obviously been pivots. There's obviously been a progression from the original idea to where it is now. Um, and I know you're in the Reset Accelerator right now, or at least Mike is, right? Yep, Mike's so, on the pool, yeah. yeah. So um, did you go through other accelerators with the previous kind of concepts? And, and, and where exactly is your company now? You know, obviously going to the accelerator, you're doing that to scale. You're doing that to kind of uh, kind of have more impact. So tell us a little bit about that um, and if you've been in other accelerators. Yeah, um, definitely. And because I have actually been uh, did another accelerator, um, actually helping Mike and, you know, get the most out of this program as well as working with the reset team um, just to share information. Like they're doing a great job. They, they don't need, um, you know, my information, but it's good to share knowledge at what other um, markets are doing. So I had hired in 2014, I left corporate because I realized if I was going to go for it, I had to go full time. And I'd also been trying to work with freelance developers. Um, it's a challenge, right? If you're not sitting next to the developer, if you're not working closely with them, it's a challenge to get developers to and engineers to really do what you want them to do in a time that you want them to do it in. And so from the kind of lessons we learned in the first 
go around in 2014, I, I hired two really solid uh, engineers in Portland, Maine, and I moved up to Portland, Maine. Um, I worked out of a co-working space up there, and I did an accelerator program called the Top Gun, uh, which was fantastic. Portland, Maine is a great community. They have a great startup ethos, and it's something that I thought Hartford could really learn from uh, because they've been trying really hard, and they've got some really uh, sharp people up there. Not a lot of investments, and definitely not a lot of tech. Yeah, Maine's um, not known for like, yeah, investment, <laughs> investments. But it's similar to, to Hartford, and I think that um, the two if they collaborated, could really come up with some great ideas and, and do some sharing. So I've been trying to facilitate that a little bit. Um, the Accelerate program was fantastic. It was run by a guy named Don Gooding. And, uh, it's called the Top Gun. And it's uh, uh, it, it was a phenomenal experience because you get to work with businesses that are at the same stage as you. Um, and they helped us really focus and, and, and really break down what we were doing into its core components and ultimately identified that one of those core components could actually make us money. Mm-hmm. Where the other ones are more exciting, especially to me, like, you know, consumer app, post job, yeah. we get this, exactly. this is cool, we can get a million users. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. A million <laughs> users. <laughs> um, I can go raise, you know, $10 million. And, um, you know, it's just, you, you learn that that's not how you build a sustainable business. And um, when you can find something that really gives people value that and they're willing to pay for it, uh, you really need to, to, to focus on that. And, and so doing the accelerator helped us do that. And I'm confident that Mike's going to do a phenomenal job in this accelerator, represent us really well. And uh, I told him that if he wins any of the prize money, that he can use that for whatever uh, he wants to use it for the business. So a little incentive for him. Great. Maybe a new NHL. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> the new gaming system. So the yeah. NHL 94 is, is, is specific because it's the best hockey game supposedly ever created, and it's quick. And so you can, at lunchtime or something, get out a little bit of aggression because there's tons of checking, <laughs> there's scoring what goals. Are the, what are the teams? Are you Bruins? Oh, yeah. I'm the oh, Bruins. Yeah, yeah. Big Bruins game last Bruins. night. Yeah. Big one last night. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but it's, a, it's just like those types of things that, you know, we got a little putting <laughs> thing, so we have a little contest every now and then. What's the one on the wall? Uh, so. The ring toss. <laughs> yeah, the ring so toss. So I got a little ring toss. Oh, ring toss is a good yeah, game. That's yeah, tough. On the rope. <laughs> That's a tough like, game. We just, you know, again, we work really, really hard. You know, we're Mike's and Mike's is in the office at like eight o'clock every single day. Um, I'm, you know, not too far behind him, but I'm usually there till eight o'clock, nine o'clock. Like last night, nine o'clock at night, I'm locking up the whole reset place. Um, it's just kind of, at the stage that we're at, we don't want to miss the opportunity. We don't want to look back and be like, oh, you know, if I just did this. Um, but then again, even though we work hard, we also want to have fun. Like, it's Absolutely. really important. If you can't enjoy what you do, then there's, you know, little point in doing it. Right. But I think it's great. I mean, you, so one of the big problems that entrepreneurs face is, is changing the idea that they have, solving a problem that, that they see versus solving the problem the market actually has. Mm-hmm. And you're, you know, you've made that switch and, and going over there. I just, uh, I, so I mentored a few different accelerators and incubators in the area, and I was at UConn the other day. Um, and they were in an early stage where they open up a competition called the Innovation Quest to all students. And you wind up getting over 100 students coming in, and they have business ideas. And then sometimes they some leave, some form groups with other students that they meet there and so on. F- fascinating experience to see how it kind of settles down to, like, maybe out of 150 students, it goes down to, like, 30 companies. Um, but... Uh, to see where, uh, to see where they start, and they all start pretty much from where you're at, which is where you did, right? They, they have an idea of a problem they think needs to be solved. 
And invariably, they usually find out that that's not the problem the market thinks needs to be solved. I, I think that's a really interesting point. I, I can't remember. I, I know I didn't come up with this, um, and so I can't take credit for it. But I think that when you're doing customer research or, or trying to identify and um, articulate a problem, you're going to have a lot of people telling you that, yeah, I have that problem. Oh, yeah, I'll give you money for that. Oh, yeah, that would be something that I wish I had. I can't believe I don't have that today, and I'm sure I'll give you money for it. Ask them to open up their wallet. You know, they're selling you pixie dust. Because yeah, it feels people, good, but it doesn't pay a bill. Right, people will tell you <clears throat> over and over again that they have the problem, that they uh, would pay for you to solve it. But until they actually open up their wallets mm-hmm. and hand you cash money, that's not you're not solving a problem. Yeah. Um, and so that's where we identified that. Hey, yeah, oh, this one problem. It really stinks to, to get home improvement jobs done. It'd be so much better if I could post a picture and get people to come to me and I could look at reviews. Hey, that's awesome. Um, but getting people to actually pay for that is, is a whole different story. Um, same with the real estate networks. We were, we were doing the SaaS product to like general contractors and property managers and individual real estate agents. Every single agent would tell us, we would love this. This would be awesome. General contractors, oh my God, I can build a network post one plumbing job and hit my four plumbers and get bids from them without having to call four different people. And they would actually, this is even interesting, they would actually pay for it. It wasn't a ton of money, but they would get credit cards all day long, 200 bucks. No one would use it. Mm-hmm. They would they would <laughs> never, ever yeah. use it. So we'd be collecting money and asking them, hey, you, you never logged on. <laughs> hey, you haven't done anything. Thanks for the money, months, but why right? don't you use the money? So we, just, we knew that that was uh, another challenge with the problem that people said that they had they were willing to pay for it but they actually didn't the, the problem or whatever we developed yeah wasn't really solving it yeah i mean it, it's really not going to be sustainable in the long run yeah. they're not using the product so uh you recently raised some money right we did actually yeah really really proud of that how, how was that process uh grueling <laughs> now mike kaufman by the way will identify with this he's been he, he's our resident money raiser uh for for movie interactive and he's got their grueling process but uh we mock him constantly for it yeah i mean if there's one piece of advice when it comes to raising money um is to don't and sell um i mean it, don't and sell <laughs> just sell like yeah. sales cures all like if you can sell and you make no no business goes out of business because they made too much revenue. I mean, unless they do something really bad. Like, I mean, if you can generate sales, not only will fundraising be a lot easier. You're going to have people trying to give you checks. Um, with ours, it's, it's it was a little bit different. Um, we were selling, we were selling a lot, but we were almost at, we were at capacity. We couldn't really do our customers service the way that we wanted to with just the three people we needed to hire we are hiring right now a little plug we've got two i got a sales position and a marketing position open right now um we needed an engineer we didn't have an engineer so there were bugs in the software that we couldn't fix unless we outsourced it and again that's a that's a challenge we have a good really really solid uh part-time guy but it's part-time um so we just, we were at a point, we were at a, a, a critical juncture where we needed a couple of people to support the customers that we had, and we knew what we were selling, and we knew there was tons more demand if we could get more bodies out there talking to customers. Um, and so when we went to raise, it was, hey, this is, yeah, we're going to do a little bit of product development, go from like an MVP to a version one, but the majority of the money is going to be spent on people that are going to drive revenue. And that was 
what really started to stick with investors. And so uh, CT Innovations, a great guy named uh, Mike Wisniewski, worked really closely with me to basically help us uh, articulate what we were going to do with the funding, uh, how it was going to benefit the state of Connecticut, the jobs that we were going to create. And then ultimately, uh, we showed him that, hey, this could become a really big, I, I like to call it an anchor real estate tech business. Um, so that's what we want to build. We want to build something that creates 10, 20, 30 jobs um, that can actually sustain itself uh, uh, on revenues. Uh, and maybe we will do another uh, another round. But um, long story, I mean, just to say, you know, fundraising is a grueling process and I'd much rather be selling. See, that's great. I mean, we've talked about this a number of times on, on this show, which is the uh, the, pro- the problem, you know, that, that I see with a lot, most entrepreneurs, especially young entrepreneurs um, coming up with their first ideas, they immediately, they always think, they always think venture capital. It's, it's all they think about. And they always assume that I can find somebody give me five, ten million dollars to develop this because it's such a good idea. And the reality is so different than that. And and it's, it's hard to fundraise. It's a full-time job. And frankly, what you need to focus on is your product and you need to do the market research and get, get it out there and test it and try to get somebody to buy it. And if you get somebody to buy it, people will be a lot more interested in it generally. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of great to hear your real life example because, uh, it's a message that you're, you're constantly trying to pass on and in, in, in a way sort of fighting against. Right. There's nothing wrong with seeking funding, but it's, first of all, it's not necessary for every company. People are surprised at how far they can go yeah. without getting VC funding or even angel funding. Um, and frankly, by doing that, you retain more control over your company and you can decide what your exit is and what your timeline is and where you where you want your horizon to be. Yeah. So I think, it, um, I mean, just on that, on that note, if we had done, if I had known what I know now, when we were launching that first product, the, the web app for consumers, and instead of trying to build software and trying to go and fundraise and say, oh, yeah, we're going to get a million users, if we had instead put up a landing page that captured job information from consumers and then manually found people to go get it done, I honestly believe if I had not built software and actually did things manually and, and didn't try to raise money, that we'd have one of the biggest contracting businesses in Connecticut right now. Um, because we, I, I really believe that we would have done a phenomenal, we had an awesome team. We had really skilled people and I just kind of got this startup mentality. Oh, we have to go raise a million dollars. We have to go spend 50 grand on the software application. And knowing what I know now, if I had put up a simple landing page and captured information and then went and found people to do the job and did lots of things manually, yeah, we wouldn't have made a lot of money in the beginning. But we would have built a massive company, and that MVP would have had more leverage going forward. Yeah. So. yeah, and then once we figured out where the bottlenecks were, then we could build software to optimize things. But in- instead, we built software without ever doing the actual work. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there that have these great ideas, and they think, "Oh, if I just had fifty grand, or if I just found an angel investor." And I'll tell you, the best businesses right now, and it's new. It's 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 not something that's been happening it's 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 turning this way the best entrepreneurs and the best businesses are going out getting their hands dirty finding out ways to make money and then building technology to optimize so i know we gotta kind of wrap up soon but um tell us uh, just a couple things about why you moved to connecticut and and kind of what uh what's the 
the good side about the Connecticut startup ecosystem and if we need to improve on stuff, like what is it that, you know, Connecticut's still a little bit lacking? Yeah, uh, it's a great question. I think that there's a, a massive opportunity in Connecticut. You know, CT Innovations, I, I believe uh, one year they were the fourth most active angel investor in the country. Um, so there's money, there's, there's programs for entrepreneurs um, to, if they need to hire somebody or if they need business development or if they need, you know, uh, legal uh, help, there are lots of people in Connecticut that are willing to help entrepreneurs. And I think that's fantastic and that can only grow. Um, you know, I come from Boston and Boston has lots and lots and lots of entrepreneurs, but they, and they, you know, they have program, program programmatic things uh, available, but they don't have the same type of state and local um, support in terms of, you know, because there's just so many entrepreneurs, yeah. you, you need to be able to network. Like you're yeah. not going to make it in there if you can't network and find the people you need to find. Whereas Connecticut, it seems to be, um, which is great, it's like people are actively going out there, let me help you, let me help you. And you don't see that in, in Boston. I love Boston. I, I think there's some fantastic companies coming out of there and we've got some great customers and, and partnerships uh, there. Um, the decision to move headquarters to Connecticut, it really came down to CI um, willing to be the lead on the investment. Um, and that's part of their, we already had, I'm from Windsor, Mike and Mike are from Windsor. And so we've all grown up in Connecticut. My family's still here. They weren't going anywhere. They, Mike uh, just uh, bought a house in Windsor. Like then they're staying here. So we always knew that we were going to have an office in Hartford. And honestly, to be Brutally honest, it was basically moving an address from my house to reset. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's not like... You weren't moving, like, big office buildings, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 It's, 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 it's not like the, uh, what is it, the General Electric move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, maybe, you know. But now we uh, just hired our first full-time engineer, uh, an apprentice from the A100 program. Nice. Super yeah. excited. Guys are is just... He's solid, solid candidate, and um, we're really excited to have him, Mohammed Nasir, and uh, he's already not even a weekend, and he's already pushing code. Um, so he's going to, I think, make a big transformation on our business. Um, Mike um, Ponacoloni is hiring um, a full-time marketing director to work under him so he can focus on training and education. And Mike Zazamia is hiring a full-time salesperson so we can go light up uh, some more brokerages. Well, you're hitting all of our favorite points. I mean, yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. we're, so, I mean, one of the problems that we found in Connecticut is a, is a lack of good software programmers mm-hmm. that, you know, just, just the sheer, we need a greater concentration of them. And Derek Koch's A100 program, uh, him and Krishna, I mean, they've really made a difference in trying to, in making software programmers available to companies and, and making those connections. Uh, we have, uh, actually that I think, one of the very first guests on this show is Evan Dobbs and uh, Civic Lift, and he has two A100 programmers working for him now. And so they're getting out there those A100 grads. Oh yeah, it, it, it's great. I mean, it's great, and and I do think you're right. I'm from the Boston area originally, and I, and I practiced law up there a number of years, and so still do to some extent. Uh, and, and it's and it is it's a different community down here. That you're it's it's much probably like Portland, Maine. You don't the, the amount of funding isn't out there. There's not as many investors in the area. Um, but there is a really tight knit community. Um, and it's hard to, you know, it, if you're in one of the three or four primary areas in the state, then, you know, there's a, there's a community built around it and there's an accelerator program and they can connect you to all the other pieces of the community. Yeah. Um, I think on the engineering thing, it, you bring up a really good point. Um, Boston has great engineers. They've got lots of yeah. great engineering schools. And the other thing that they have, which Hartford 
should consider in Connecticut, the state of Connecticut could, should, should consider trying to recruit a large tech company. Um, when you're building a business and you're looking for engineers, and this isn't me yet because you know we're not we're not at that stage yet, but what people have told me is that you really look at some of the larger tech firms and you go and you find engineers who are working at bigger companies and you say, hey, do you want to come work for my side? Poach them. And, and if they're the right poacher. person, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that, but there's nobody to poach from in Hartford. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and frankly, there are p- places in the area that would help with that. Uh, if you're a large tech company and you happen to be listening to this very small <laughs> podcast, then uh, I, you know, I, again, I do a lot of work at UConn. Uh, you know, their engineering school is constantly turning out people who want to be in the area. Um, I talk to these students all the time, and they're grad students, and they're very good at what they do, and they wind up traveling somewhere else. But they, many of them would be happy to live here in Connecticut if they had a good job to go to. And uh, same thing for people from their business school. Um, and it, it's, it's just fascinating to me because you're right. If we had if we had a couple large tech companies in the area, there are, they'd have direct contact with universities who would be all over them to help you know, find a great Help funnel for find, workers. Funnel, funnel the, the students because the students yeah. aren't necessarily the best for the startups, right? Yeah. Um, because you need somebody with a couple of years experience because you don't know what you're doing. You need somebody that kind of knows uh, yeah. their way around the, the uh, uh, infrastructure in, in, a, in, a, in a software code base. So it's, uh, if we had these tech companies and, and if there was like, you know, a software, a great example that, you know, that did really, really well in Boston, HubSpot. Mm-hmm. Like they churned out so many engineers oh, yeah. and those engineers are going and starting their own businesses. If we had a company like that uh, in Hartford, that you know, it would it would be uh, it would be really good for the whole startup community. So, Nick, one of my favorite questions is, what's the new and most exciting piece of tech that you're excited about? Like, what what is it personally that that is interesting you in the market these days? You know, I'm actually moving away from tech. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, this is so funny. I, like, I've been really uh, interested in like <laughs> everyday carry. Um, so, different types of things that you can carry on your person, which are not tech related, Interesting. Um, which I, I've been kind of fascinated by some of the machining and um, American manufacturing that's going on in that space. Um, and that's completely outside of tech. It's just something that I've been uh, really following uh, recently. Um, in terms of technology... Well, let's uh, actually take a step back. Yeah. So what, what's, what, what would you fall under everyday carry? Oh, you know, things like uh, this pen um, is a pen mm-hmm. that you, is designed to carry with you every yeah. single day in your pocket. Um, a nice comb, um, a pocket knife, um, a special type of keychain, yeah. or something. Like I've got this keychain here that wraps my earbuds. It's got scissors, pliers, screwdrivers, oh, and everything. And it's it's, it's just a little <laughs> tiny Leatherman. Um, it's just a really cool tool, and it clips right onto my belt, and I just have it. So the the cool thing about everything is you always know that these things are on your person, so you're never looking for it. They're always there, and so if anything comes up and you need to cut something or you need a pair of scissors, you have it. It's uh, the essentials at a small yeah. price that makes life that much easier. To be honest, to me, that falls under sort of the whole tech thing, though. I mean, I mean, there's a greater focus on companies that sell that, that sell items like this and focus on... I try to remember some of the ones like Touch of Modern or something Yeah, like Touch that. of Modern is a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this is... I, I'll give a shout-out. I just got these Made in the USA field notes. You guys can't see on the, on the airwaves. Um, but it's just a small little notebook... It's made in the USA, recycled paper, 
Um, and it's got a ruler on it. It's got different types of instructions if you're outside, um, different types of coordinates that you can write down. And then it's just a nice little notebook. And this is in my back, it's been in my back pocket for uh, a few weeks now. Yeah, I love those. Yeah. And, and, they, and there are and like, again, we've talked about this before, you know, the, the popularity of box companies. You, know, you get a monthly box in the mail, some yeah. stuff. And there are companies that do focus on those sort of things. Uh, I don't know if it's like Birchbox or something. Yeah, the Birchbox is the one that, that created the space. Yeah. 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 And so there's a box for everything. Yeah, I, I, but I, I think that, I think that's really interesting. I mean, you know, people are focused on exactly, you know, there's, there's a greater concentration on having nice things that are quality, not necessarily the most expensive thing, but the thing that works the best mm-hmm. and yeah. to be the most efficient. All right. Well, That's I think great. we got to uh, wrap this up. But Nick, thank you for coming on. I really and, enjoyed um, it. You know, when uh, when you guys finish the uh, accelerator program, we'll uh, we'll follow back up with you, yeah, and uh, we'll see how these uh, new hires go. Excellent. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks Nick. Nick. So, Nick, before you go, why don't you tell us where people can find you and my Home Pro Network? Yeah, so you guys, anybody that's interested in learning more about the business, uh, my email address is nick at myhomepronetwork.com. You can also contact, uh, contact us at support at myhomepronetwork.com. I would say that we are actively hiring in the Hartford area for a uh, sales position and a marketing director position. And so if anybody's interested in uh, learning more about us and, and an opportunity to work for uh, you know, fast growth, uh, high growth opportunity startup, we'd love to talk to you. And I understand that you have one other special plug to make. Oh, right. My brother, Michael <laughs> Ponticoloni, has a side business. It's called Kama, and it's a vintage menswear subscription company. And uh, if you guys are interested in learning more about Kama, you can find it on Instagram. That's Rooster Kama Gus, and at kama.cratejoy.com. Uh, it's a really, really fun uh, startup that he's been actually having a lot of folks in Connecticut uh, join and, and be a part of. And that's Kama C O M M A. Yeah, C O M M A. It's called Kama. And it's on Crate Joy, uh, which is actually a cool subscription box technology service. Um, so they handle all the payments and deliveries and everything. Great. And again, thanks a lot, Nick. We appreciate it. Yeah, had a great time, guys. Thank you very much. You've just listened to the CT Startup Podcast. You can find us on iTunes or check out our webpage at ctstartup.com where you can find all our social media links. And please, please leave us your feedback. Special thanks to our production team, Kate Rupart, Dylan Gilliatt, and Kevin Dobis, as well as our equipment and marketing sponsor, Martha Kalina, LLP.